Hey everybody, it's Bevan, uh, and this is Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. My name's Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Uh, I'm starting with just a quick shout out to Josie and Sarah, my two new Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. I don't know where you're from because Patreon didn't gather that info uh, from either of you, but um, I do know that Sarah just slid in there while I was preparing and uploading this podcast. So I was super excited. It was really exciting, actually, just to be like working on this and then poof, there's Sarah. Um, It's like a little love letter from the universe when people are rolling in and supporting this work. Um, There's lots of fun stuff you can do on my Patreon. Um, I teach aerobics. It's my sort of main thing I do. I love teaching fat kid dance party aerobics. I made that up because I wanted fun dance aerobics. And I, uh, I had some, some, some flavors I wanted to share from my background in drag performance and um, just throwing parties. And I just like love to curate movement and people connecting to that best and happiest and most self-loving version of themselves, which I think we really can do when we play together. Um, there's a lot of running around, you know, just like in the middle or like taking up space um, and really excited about some stuff to come. Actually, I just finished creating a new line dance. Um, I stayed after my Seattle class last weekend and choreographed a whole new line dance that I'm going to do, um, for one of the upcoming, uh, aerobics classes. So you can join that through patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. Um, and also just like at the $5 level, cause you want a little extra self-care info. I do a separate podcast of mini episodes, some meditations. I did a really cool Creek meditation, um, that I'm going to post up there shortly. And also, um, a good, like, uh, out with the bullshit in with the good meditation for when you're just pissed off at work and you need like a minute refresh. Um, so I just, uh, put some stuff up there, try to create a special corral of fun membership benefits. And also I produce this podcast, which is freely available. And I'm so glad you're here because I am introducing you to my friend, Tamale. Uh, Tamale is an incredible person I've known for a long time. Uh, we get into some of our origin stories, but like she just has so much to share about um, being cheated on, um, being a badass skydiver, being a comedian, and like doing that from a powerful place of connection with your audience. Um, she knows a lot about working hard to be a resilient artist and following her true calling and has experienced homelessness and a lot of trials in life and is right now creating a tour, a comedy tour, uh, in a van and, uh, just being her awesome self. And I'm so excited for you to get to know her a little bit better. And also last item for the agenda on the pre-roll, uh, is it pre-roll if I've already introduced the show? I just haven't started the interview. I don't know. This is... I'm my own producer, so I'm just going to say, yeah, it's the pre-roll. I also wanted to mention that on February 22nd, um, hopefully you're hearing this before that, February 22nd, 2020, I will be doing an in-person clinic uh, for Reiki Energy Healing um, in Port Townsend, Washington. So if you want to take the trip, it is the most beautiful healing studio I've ever had a healing in, and the healer that works there is subletting to me. Uh, one day a month or so. Um, and so it's a great opportunity to sit in a chair overlooking the water, the beach outside. Um, it has these windows where people can't see us, but we can see fully out. And so the healing experience just gets to be in this kind of extraordinary 
place um, and we can do some work with anxiety, stress, depression, amplify healing that you're doing in other areas of your life or uh, work on your life purpose and, and get into that. And then I'll cap off the day. Uh, so I have 30 minute sessions available for that. Um, and then I cap off the day with a self-love workshop, which is four people. We're going to sit and we're going to talk about self-love and we're going to dig in and we're going to set some intentions and work on some growth. And it's my favorite thing to do. I love doing that kind of stuff. And it's all available February 2nd, 2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-
I think the show that we hosted was like the more serious and the more gritty one. Um, and it was so poignant, like a lot of like emotional highs and lows. And then you and I am seeing uh, between acts just kind of like really, because I think the job of the MC or FEMC, as I identify. Um, yes, which I got that too, for the record, because I do put it, I do like sprinkle the, the talent of femcene throughout uh, my you know, offerings as a lady in the world. And that I have to directly attribute it to you when I use it. So <laughs> I attribute it to Rachel who taught it to me from the Femme Mafia in Atlanta. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, but you know, like Femme seeing like is about connecting to the audience and making everyone feel home together and part of a shared experience. And so it was so much fun to do it with you. I feel like we were just like on fire together and Two, two redheads with nice boobs just popping around. I mean, that don't get between us. You know what I mean? Like, because that would just, it would zap you into oblivion. That's what happens. <laughs> happens. Um, I do remember uh, one of, I have this great picture of, the, of you and I when <laughs> my, I went through, my Saturn return was a real butt kicker, which is not uncommon, quickly. And, uh, I was definitely at the tail end of it and I attended Mishfest and, um, and I, th- I want to say it was like 2009, 2010, right in there. One of those summers, one of those two summers. And, um, I had gotten, uh, gifted an entry, you know, last minute and I drove my motorcycle all through the night, you know, and this was back when, you know, I had this, this early edition iPhone charging it up at McDonald's as I like could barely afford to feed myself. I was so broke and I was, had all of my, I was living out of a backpack, which was on my motorcycle. And I show up in the middle of the nights and, and, uh, I push down the weeds next to the gate so that I'm like there for the early entry. And, and I put up, you know, I open my parasol and I have my leather jacket on the ground and I'm curled up in a little ball of ruffles and cleavage, just like, <laughs> like under this parasol. And I wake up the next morning and, um, and there's like this huge line, um, down the road at Mishfest. And then I go in and you were one of the first people that I saw at this, you know, and it, it was just this galvanizing moment of just like. I will make this happen come hell or high water. And then I saw you and I was like, shoo, <laughs> I know her. This is going to be great. <laughs> and I have a picture that was snapped shortly after that where I'm just in like ruffle booty pants, tiny shorts. I mean, they were so tiny, like micro tiny and, and, uh, and like motorcycle boots and like a you know a bra and you know a little bolero, leather bolero and <laughs> full makeup <laughs> it's like six in the morning and this this ruffle parasol and I'm just like you know doing the working the angles right next to my gal Bevan and it was just perfect Ugh. <laughs> oh my god that was a really perfect moment I feel like you and I have been touchdowns for each other through multiple sort of incarnations and like needing like a high five from the goddess because like I I remember like not long after that so that I think that was 2010 because not long after that I had a huge heartbreak and um you had come you were just literally in New York for like five seconds because you had driven someone's U-Haul and then you were flying back to Chicago and we were in New York and had that's right yeah and so like you were in town for 12 hours and I got the chance to get to see you and have brunch with you and just your reflection on the feelings I was having from my breakup 
convinced me to go try an Al-Anon meeting. And it was just a very casual thing where you would just see something, say something like, hey, I think you would benefit from this. And I, you knew nothing about like yeah. my lengthy family history of alcoholism um, and, and didn't actually know anything about the problem drinking that was happening with the person I was dating because I didn't tell anyone about that because, you know, it would have caused shame. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh man, attraction, not promotion, girl. That, yeah. I'm like, ooh, I, I, you said nothing, and I heard it all. Yes, exactly, exactly, and it um changed my whole fucking life. Like the best decision I made, 100%. The best decision I made in my 30s was to follow your advice and go to an Al-Anon meeting. And like, thank you. So thank you for being brave and telling me just that little nugget. And I was like, if a smart and strong babe like Tamale thinks that I would benefit from this, I'm going to do it. Oh, well, that means a lot. Thank you, Bevan. Like, that's like, you know, I, I, uh, my family, my parents, like I, I did not grow up in an alcoholic, uh, household. So it was really, um, it was something that I discovered as when I started partnering with people and I had myself actually just gotten out of a relationship with, um, with, uh, someone who was dealing with, um, you know, some, some really intense stuff. And, uh, and there was a, a lot of, uh, I definitely, I'm grateful that I, I found Al-Anon, um, through my dating experiences, I found Al-Anon and, uh, it just, it really kept my feet grounded because I was just, I, you know, oh man, like I said, you didn't say a thing and I heard it all because I spot it. Cause I got it. I was like, oh man, oh girl. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's funny. I just, it's so weird. Uh, I've been in Al-Anon now for like, God, I don't even, it's been, I want to say, well, it's been 2000, since 2008, November in 2008. So whatever that is like 10, 11 years now, almost, yeah, 11 and a half years. Wow. That's crazy. That's just, that's wild. It's just wild, but it's made a profound difference. You know, it's, it's just something about being, I feel like people, and I, I won't speak for you, but something that I definitely experienced from you is just this um, innate sense of care for your fellow human. And the, I think that's why I'm drawn to you and probably vice versa. I'm putting those words right on in here, perfectly <laughs> glossed lips. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's, it, it is a, it's that thing of like, oh, I don't want you to be sad. Like, come with me, let's have fun, you know? And, um, and you know, like, oh, you're, you're hurting. I want to help. Right. Which is a wonderful thing for a human to do in moderation and with the, the very mindful boundaries of giving people the dignity of their own experience. But for me personally, you know, uh, when that gets upended in a way that is unbalanced, it becomes a real problem, um, for everybody, right? Like for myself, and certainly for, you know, someone I'm dating is needing to crash and burn and I'm just keep throwing myself in the way. Like that's not helpful <laughs> at all for either of us. So, um, yes, yeah, I had to just learned that lesson. Uh, there's this great meme, you know, the most interesting man in the world meme, you know, that older oh. guy with his, like, he's like, leaning. he's oh. like got his arm cocked up and he's like staring knowingly into the camera. Uh, there's a meme that has that picture and it says, I don't always learn my lesson, but when I do, you can bet I learned it the hard way. <laughs> wow. You know, some people don't understand the language of pain. <laughs> I'm working hard to be the kind of person 
who learns from joy instead of pain. That's not always possible, but you know, it's the goal. <laughs> That's right. But also like, when, since when have humans ever been like, hey, things are really great. I'm going to learn from this. Like never, even though we try to, I don't know. I feel like, man, I, I wish that was the case. I wish, <laughs> I wish so much. Cause certainly there are moments, many moments where I feel very grateful and full of joy. And like, I wake up in the morning and um, I do this thing where I'm like, I call it puffing where I, <laughs> it sounds, it sounds like one thing, but really what it is, it's like puffing for me is I, I'm like starting to wake. It's when I'm starting to get conscious in the morning. Um, and I start to like, it's like when birds or, um, you know, like when they puff their little feathers, um, I do that, but I do it like with gratitude. Like I think of all the things I'm grateful for and I fill up my little feathers. So I get really, really big and puffy with like happiness and gratitude, <laughs> like this little chubby little sparrow on a wire, you know? Um, but I, I do that when I wake up in the morning, which is great. And I think vibrationally, it's probably a good call. However, the times when I have learned the most is when I have hurt the shit out of myself by making a poor choice that I did not heed wise, seasoned advice to avoid. I was like, no, no, man, this time it'll be all right. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things. You just got to burn that hand on the stove until you <laughs> figure out not to go near stoves. Leave them alone. <laughs> Don't touch stoves. Don't check to see if a stove is hot by pressing your palm on it. You know, like flick some water at it first. Jeez. <laughs> uh, wow. Totally identify. <laughs> um, so to for folks who don't know you, because like I think to know you, like you are one of the most unforgettable people in the world. Like I feel like probably if you looked at the percent of people who have forgotten who Tamale is, that's pretty low. Cause you're just like, you're literally one of a kind. Wonderful. Like just everyone is one of a kind, but you are just like one of a kind all over the place. Like very unusual and magical. You came from Arizona. So you're kind of like a little bit, a, a, a cowgirl on a motorcycle, you know, <laughs> my iron horse with yes. ruffles with an eyelash. It's like a lot of ruffles, a lot of eyelash, a lot of winged liner, um, really intense and vibrant red curls. And then like, but all black, like never a color, maybe gray. <laughs> I have, I branched into my, my brightest blacks. It is, it is very sunshiny here. It feels very, you know, I'm in Phoenix right now. So it's a, uh, I got to throw on my lighter, my lighter colors, which is just my brightest blacks, which are my, which are my grays. <laughs> so I like, a, you know, I stick with the monochrome sitch. I don't like a lot of deviation from black, but, um, you know, I, I recently was, this is just so funny that in the world of abundance, I was recently gifted this, um, I'm a skydiver, as you know, and I'm new, I'm a new skydiver. I've only got 43 jumps, but I was only recently gifted a container with yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean if I'm you just know the people say, I jump with. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, I get it that, like, amongst skydivers, that's not a lot of jumps, but, like, amongst regular folks, that's, like, 43 more than most. So just, you know, you're, you're a badass. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> it's just so funny because I feel like I jump with these babes that are, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of jumps in, and I'm just, like, flicking placenta off of my shoulders, you know, like, they're just so amazing. They 
it, so it's exciting. I, I'm just doing my best to keep up with them. And I learn so much from them every time we jump. But in the world of abundance, I was gifted a container, which is the magic backpack that you put your um, different, you know, your, your main shoot, your reserve shoot, and your automatic activation device, AAD, that deploys your reserve if you get knocked unconscious somehow when you're falling, which has happened. And then that way you don't, hopefully you don't die, you just get real hurt. Um, so, uh, that's what an AAD is. So, uh, but I was gifted the container, which is the, like all the harnessing that attaches the magic backpack to your body. And that is, that's thousands of dollars that some magical babe who is, you know, she's getting out of the sport and she's got all this, you know, 70 years of, of life. And she's like, I I'm getting out of the sport and I want to gift my you know, my gear to these up and coming babes that want to jump and can't afford it because it's a very expensive sport to get into. So I got two jumpsuits and this magical backpack. I'm, I'm just so, it's just ridiculous. It's exciting. Like how, how cool is that? Um, why did I say that? There's a reason I was bringing that into the mix. There's, oh yeah, I wanted to brag about being a skydiver. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but also a comedian. <laughs> Right? Like you're not just like a, you know, a funny lady, but like a very studied comedian who also teaches other comedians how to be comedians. Yeah. Right? I work at Second City. I teach stand up at Second City and storytelling. And um, I've, I've worked at Second City for a while. I worked there back in the day and um, then went to grad school and then came back. Just recently started teaching stand up there. And it's so much fun. My students are, it's just, there's something about getting these these fresh young faces that come in with the desire to get better at making people that is just so, it just fills my heart and I love it so much. And even like, I'll meet you where you're at. Like I will meet you. There are people that come in for those classes that are like genuinely talented are naturally funny and are great. And then there are people who come in who, you know, maybe, maybe intellectually understand humor, but like can't figure out the mechanization of, you know, um, of like basic joke structure, et cetera, which is, you know, I don't care if you're there to learn, I'm here to teach. So great. My favorite, however, are the majority of the people that come in that are like these oftentimes white dudes, dudes that come in and they're like, yeah, my favorite comedian is, uh, is Anthony Jesselnik and I'm not like PC and I just like say what I want to say. And then I get, I'm tasked with the delightful opportunity, um, to really help them understand that just because you have a microphone and you want to talk crap about other people, it doesn't make you funny because comedy is, it is brutally, brutally clear when you get up and you just start talking crap and it's not actually funny people the audience let you know they just don't laugh and then you feel like an idiot because you're up there just talking and not having some jokes because there are people like Patton Oswalt who you know like he can just talk and be hilarious but he's usually not using a position of privilege to rip people apart so that's why it works among other reasons but um, it's really it's an opportunity to learn and I really enjoy being able to say to someone who comes in with, um, you know, just wanting like the opportunity to get up on stage with a microphone and talk smack and tear down women and be kind of just like a jerk without um, repercussions, you know, give them the, the lived experience of like, here's what happens when you do that. 
do you want to be a paid comedian? That's what I am. Do you want to do that? Here's how you can, here's how you can do that. Um, and then we workshop stuff and it's, um, it's really great to kind of watch them. You know, we, ha- we have those tough conversations in class. We talk about like social structure and why, why that joke works for him or her, but not for you. Um, and that is just a really, I don't know. I find that, that teaching, I find that teaching comedy in that way is a precious opportunity to bring interest and investment, uh, in, in those dynamics to a person who otherwise just wouldn't give a crap, like un, uninterested at all until it actually means that they could get some, some laughs, um, if they do it right. And then they go, Oh, okay. Okay. So that's really, that's a cool moment. Cause then they start to understand more deeply where they're sitting and why something is or isn't funny. You know, yeah. that's a cool thing. To do. That's, that's awesome. cool. <laughs> Can yeah. you describe the difference between punching up and punching down? Sure. So, uh, so for example, so the way I usually explain it in class is that the way the world is built, uh, whether you see it or not, the way the world is built is to support people that are, um, in positions of power or privilege or authority and, uh, and punching if you, it depends on where you are in that dynamic, right? If you are someone and you know, it's hard. Cause like, I hear those conversations from white straight dudes are like white when they talk about white privilege. And it's often from a very strong position of upset, like, no, I don't have that. I worked hard for everything and, and, and being able to yes. And that, and also be like, I'm not, I'm not denying you that. Uh, and also the deck is not stacked evenly y'all. <laughs> so to be able to have those heartfelt, like totally dude, I got that absolutely you are totally right and also this other thing that you may not have considered because you never had to how about that so um so when explaining punching up or punching down it's like you know we we have those conversations like why can why can this guy in the class make that joke um or or like why can i as a gay lady why can i make this joke and why is it weird when you do why is that weird and then we go ah so then we start unpacking like social structures and power dynamics and privilege. And, um, you know, this one guy, man was making jokes about, you know, having sex with ladies while they're sleeping and got zero laughs and was like really mad about it. And I was like, so why are you making it the audience's fault that that joke isn't funny? You know, just like having a conversation and like, you know, let's, let's talk about like, what's the likelihood of that happening to you? you well it's what that is uh actually something that has happened to at least one person in this room <laughs> so do you understand why maybe that wouldn't be funny for someone you know and and trying to find the trick is is trying to find a way especially when it's a social environment you know i never want to shame a student that is not you know people just tend to balk at learning something that's challenging for them if you're shaming them or making them wrong especially publicly so you ha- like that's very important that I find that it's very important for me to consider deeply the person, regardless of the position they're holding or how they're asking or bringing the information forward, consider that they will not learn if there is a shaming involved, especially if it's public and what the, the challenge and burden of education for me then becomes is reaching under underneath that, that 
uh, resistance and getting to a place with them that they are available to hear and then process and learn something from what we're talking about, right? So that, that's a real delicate balance. It's a really, it's a tricky dance to do. And, um, you know, I'm not perfect, but darn it, a lot of people have gone through my classes and uh, I've had some really bolstering conversations with, um, with other gals and, you know, certainly uh, other ethnic minorities that have been in my classes who have pulled me aside and been like, thank you for saying some stuff I can't, <laughs> like that it's going to get heard because you're the teacher and they have to listen to you. And, um, and then even like the guys that, that brought this stuff up to begin with, like to be able to have a conversation with them at the end and, um, and have them say something that kind of blows my mind is like, oh man, low five, buddy. Like way to, way to pick it up. That That's, for me, that's the moment where I'm like, nailed it. Yes. Like go forth and make comedy with that. You know, it's not that I, I don't want to tell them what to, to say. I just want them to understand when they're saying it, what also is at stake and what they're boosting in terms of uh, messages. Like what are you putting into the world and making louder with your position of privilege? Do you want to do that with messages that are hurting other people or you know ones that have the potential to really make your fellow straight white dude have you know some insight that perhaps they would not have had available to them previously so that's exciting I don't know that's a I do know that's an exciting position to be in so (laughs) and I love those guys like you know yeah I love that you're there for them because like people listen to like people so criticism I'm learning more and more about communication and criticism is never actually effective like 100% of the time criticism doesn't work so when you involve shame and criticism and all of that it's not going to work but when you layer trust and love um and then add truth because that's not necessarily criticism it's just pointing out the truth the truth is we live in systemic oppression the truth is whatever you're saying might be perpetuating that and so like when you layer truth with someone they already know that cares about them much more likely to listen you know it's funny because as we're having this conversation it makes it reminds me my uh this class I recently taught um at Second City I was oof we had a we had this one class and I forgot what it I forgot what started this somebody said something and everyone like it was like record scratch and everyone was like (gasps) and they like looked at me and I was like what oh and I and it occurred to me like oh I have created something I've done has created a culture of concern around what this person said and I I I was like we need a timeout and I sat down and I was like I need to we need to do a heart to heart right now and I was like listen if I said something that made you feel like you can't express yourself in this classroom, I apologize. That is not my goal. That is not what I want your takeaway to be. I do not want a culture of fear that you're like, oh, the, you know, the liberal lesbian teacher is going to throw a, you know, a, you know, feminist fit about this thing I'm about to say. I don't want that to be you, I don't want that for you. I w- I'm here to be your guide. And I'm so sorry that something I've done has created that. And we just had a heart to heart right then and there. And I just broke it down and said, what I want for you is to emerge from this class as a stronger performer. That is what I want from you. And what I don't want you to do is go out into this very male dominated, very sexist culture of comedy and 
not have had a touchstone of a different perspective because I'll tell you this you'll get all this need that's my concern <laughs> like I want you to have the opportunity to know that um there's there's important things that you have the opportunity to do with your work and and that's what I want you to to be examining and questioning so if I've done something to make it so that you don't do that I messed up so let's let's just get that clear and um and move forward and I'll tell you man that class oh I love I love it I just love it you know we graduated them and they were so strong and they had a killer graduation show um I just love those guys I love them because you know they're like going out into the world and they're gonna do what they're gonna do and my hope is is that they give pause to when they hear their fellow comedians making jokes that are kind of gross you know that maybe they think about it and gosh if I've done my job right they actually say something about it and create work that challenges that yeah that's my job and I I love it because most of these dudes are just really honestly they're just they're real sweethearts they are they just don't they just don't know you know it's it's not like they just don't know and they're in a position in society where they don't have to and someone shaming them or nagging them or harping at them is uh, incentivizes ignoring or avoiding. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's not the way to win. It's <laughs> not how we get our way. Yikes. <laughs> so so that's what I, you know, that's just something I, I got the opportunity to um, experience and grow from recently. It was cool. Yeah, was really absolutely. Cool. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you're out doing that work. Uh, I want to make a sharp right turn um, and start talking about um, being a queer femme dating in the world and like what you like what advice you would give to queers out there who are dating like how to come correct how to like treat someone in a dating situation like I bet you have like a tamale school of etiquette that's just like waiting to happen <laughs> oh boy <laughs> start out with don't cheat on people I don't know maybe let's start there <laughs> let's be let's be ethical and honest and like if you are the yes. kind of person that needs and wants multiple partners there's totally a relationship format just for you it's it's there sure film. is <laughs> I really like how you said that I really like how you said that there is a relationship format just for you and there's no shame in that game none whatsoever none. like whatever I feel like whatever you know what a time to be alive Bevan what a time to be alive it's so exciting you know it's 2020 we're out here I you know at least for myself I'll speak for myself you know I I'm not forced into a oof I feel lucky I that I have not been forced into a situation where I had to be or do anything that I did not want to be or do I'm not someone's mom I don't want to be a mom except for my sweet little dogs that I love and want to adopt so many more of, you know, it's like it, the intentionality across the life choices that I feel like I get to make. And certainly, you know, you and I have talked at length about <laughs> our life choices and, and how we like just keep pushing through for the things we really want to do. And like, ah, just digging our heels in and um, making, making it happen it's not easy, but, um, when, so, so how that applies to what you were just saying, you know, it's, it's like the dating thing. It's, 
Um, I am, if I were to give advice, oh, I don't know if I'm qualified to do that, but <laughs> I guess what I'm looking for or what I would want for people is the opportunity to do exact, exactly what they need and want, right? Like, just like if you want to have multiple partners, if, if having a multitude of partners and, you know, being, you know, mobile or having various levels of commitment to different people is what you're available for, which quite frankly might be where I'm at. I think that might be where I'm at. I'm not sure. I'd have to do a little more introspective introspection around that, but there is a format just for you. And if you want to go old school and be monogamous and have one partner, heck yeah, there's a format for you too. And there are lots of ways to take a modern twist, monogamish, you know, like get your needs met by all means. Don't be a jerk. How about that? You know, I think it's really important. You know, it's, I think it's really important to be very, very clear about what you, you want and what you need. Communicate that. That was a, an issue I had in a, in a recent, um, in a recent relationship is that I dated someone who I don't feel had any actual grasp on what they really needed. They, they figured they knew what they wanted because, you know, when something is in front of you and you're like, Oh, I want that. That's easy enough. But when you really need things that that is not going to give you, you need to know that about yourself. And I don't think that person really understood that at all. Um, which then, resulted in, you know, the, the dampening down of their additional wants and needs as they discovered them, which then, you know, led to some really piss poor choices on their part. And then they cheated and that was awful. So it's like being able to know yourself and know what you need and want is so vital to be able to, because then you can communicate that and a person either is or isn't a match. And you can, you can figure out the level at which you want to, to participate in that relationship, you know, um, moving forward like you can do that if you know what you're dealing with you can do that you can make an informed consensual choice um both parties can or multiple parties can but when when people don't know what they really need or want you know and and what that really tells me is i just want to make sure that you know i'm not trying to make her wrong or anything like that i'm looking it, it just sucked to be the recipient of a lack of introspection on that end you know it's like man so for me it's like something that I know is that I want to take a, a deeper look at what I need and want and just be very clear, um, you know, that I follow my own advice and bring that to the table, just like I want my, for, my future, my former partner and certainly future partners to, to be able to do. So I think that's, you know, you, de- I think you deserve what you provide. Mm. If you're ready, you know, you deserve what you provide. I, I provide I've done the work. I've asked the questions. I've sat with myself. I've dealt with those things, you know, and I'm not perfect. Gosh, you know, I discover new stuff all the time. And when I do, I communicate it gently and respectfully to my partner um, or partners. Um, Man, that's so important. That's so important because there, this is the thing. I had a breakup uh, like two years ago with a person who was just, um, such a great, just, she's, she's a great person. She's a really great person. We dated for like four years. Um, we just weren't a romantic match, big whoop, you know, we weren't a romantic match. We had a, an amicable, respectful, uh, you know, transition of our partnership into friendship. 
we are still good friends. We probably will remain good friends, great friends for a long ass time, if not, you know, till our natural ends. Right. And it's because we both respected each other. We treated each other with respect. And as we navigated that transition, um, you know, we took the appropriate time and space and uh, afforded each other the opportunity to, to heal. And then, you know, we came back and we know, we know each other really well. And we speak of each other with, you know, uh, great reverence and have every reason to do so. We've done nothing to deserve each other's, uh, you know, animosity. And, and I, that is possible. And I have that with more than one person. <laughs> I have that with quite a few of my former partners. And there's a darn reason because I date rad people. And also I treat them like a rad person might. So be rad. <laughs> That's good dating you know? advice too. Be rad. <laughs> be rad. Be rad. You be rad. Um, I think that, uh, like, yeah, being rad is amazing. I also like when I was cheated on, I did a lot of work to figure out why do people cheat? Cause I just wanted to know as someone who'd never like had, you know, I like non-monogamy and I like being honest about it. Cause like, if I'm with somebody, I want them to be my buddy in all things. And like also with non-monogamy. Right. But I was like, so what's this about cheating? And like, really what I realized was that cheating is a form of communication because if you're not communicating your dissatisfaction with some level of your relationship, you might then cheat just because you don't know how to put in your words. And so it's a way of like having power over the other person because you have the secret because you're choosing this like thing that you know will hurt them. And, um, and, and there's lots of different reasons people cheat too. Like people who, you know, just desire multiple people at a time or have like a heart capacity for multiple loves, but are living in a monogamous society where they feel like they have to participate in compulsory monogamy. Right. And then there's also people who cheat because, you know, of sex addiction. And that's also, again, about not actually just addressing your feelings and needs and, and getting that um, handled. So there's like lots of things behind that. But like, I also think like my work is how do I identify that someone is really quote unquote doing the work and like being a growth oriented person. And like the biggest takeaway I got from my last relationship and like, you know, where the mismatch happened between us, I think was that I was just accelerating my growth. I could see like where our relationship really tipped after I did this intense coaching program. And then like, again, like I started like really leveling up in my life and like sort of becoming more and more who I meant to be. And she just started shrinking because she wasn't getting her needs met because she wasn't articulating them. And like, it was, you know, and I, I just realized I'm just not a compatible person with someone who's not going to grow at the same rate that I am. And that's my growth is part of my ethic of who I am in this world. Cause I don't think I came here to play small. I came here to be the most <laughs> unforgettable, amazing human that I'm supposed to be just like you Tamali, like, you know, and like big, bright personalities, like need to attract other big, bright personalities who are willing to grow at the same rate. Cause you're only going to get better Tamali. Same, same Bevan. You know, it's funny that you mentioned, I, I, I really like that, man, how typical, right? How, this is why, this is why I love you so much. When something happens, you dedicate yourself to understanding why people do this thing. <laughs> I just love that so much. That is such a hard same, such a hard same. Something I discovered was I reread a book I read a long time ago. I reread it. Um, it's called Attachment. And what I think happened here in, in my current, in my situation, I think that what happened was it was a display of protest behavior. Mm. I feel like in my situation, 
I was coming to the relationship with, here's what I want. I mean, I literally was like, I'm a performer. I want to go on tour. I want to do this. I've structured my life to create a situation where I will be doing the following things. One, two, three, four, five, like all these things. And I was so crystal clear. They met me at a show where I had this conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, and then I think, you know, what happened was we started dating and they were really excited to have, um, to have this like exciting situation unfold. And I was, they brought a lot of excitement to the, the table as well in, um, in some other ways that I was just like, they really shifted my, my thought process around finances and around what was possible for me. They really opened um, my mind to what I actually might be capable of. And personally in the time since we've parted ways, um, I have taken that and parlayed it into some pretty substantial changes in my life, which I'll, I'll be, you know, while I'm, I'm sad about what happened, I'm, I'll always be grateful to our interactions for widening my horizons around, you know, just the way I look at finances. I can, I can remember a specific time that we were hanging out and um, we were having this very, this very intense conversation about what I wanted my future financial situation to look like. And some, some of the things that we talked about just, it freaking blew my mind so hard that I, I literally had, it was a definitive moment for me. And I, I we took a, a picture together right after that. And I, when I look at that picture, it's always a little bit of a gut punch because I can see the sparkle in my eye. I can see it. It's so, it's present. New possibilities popped up into my world as a direct result of what we were sharing with each other. And I got that, I captured it in that picture and, and it's like, when I see that picture, it is like, that was the moment where I realized that more was possible than what I thought was possible and financially, and it blew my freaking mind. So, you know, she definitely brought that to the table. Um, and that was such an exciting new thing for me. Um, and I just, you know, it was so hard was like to be in a relationship with her and, and, uh, and have her not do I mean, it's so hard, right? Cause like I can sit over here and say that she did this or that, but really, you know, only the person really knows, uh, what they're doing and what they're not. All I have to go on is the behavior, you know? And what I, what I experienced was the behavior, which was that she, <laughs> she, we, she hooked up with a friend of mine for the entire time that my friend was in town and, you know, we welcomed my friend into our home. I was living with this person at the time and, uh, you know, and my friend came in to visit and they started hooking up and it started the night that my friend came into town. And for me, that reflects some pretty strong protest behavior. Um, and you know, it's unfortunate that, that, that behavior took the place of some, some just like, well, conversations that, that could have happened. I understand when pump the brakes on a vulnerable conversation, it's usually, because they don't feel like they're going to be heard or they're scared or they don't know the answer um, or they're afraid to do that. They just, or they just haven't done the introspection. I think that for me, I think that her fear of losing the relationship, if she was actually honest, was so large that she just blew it up by cheating. Um, And, you know, and when, when they tried to hide it and, uh, and then it just, it just came out and it just, you know, it was just kind of gross. It was really unfortunate. I lost two people that I really loved and, um, you know, just like looking at that situation, I, I, you know, the things I have to ask myself are, you know, was I someone that she could have that conversation with? 
was that was I someone that was showing up to that relationship in a way that you know allowed her to be vulnerable and you know and I look at too it's like how, and we built the situation based on how we view each other right so if if someone comes into a relationship and they're they're seen as this powerful person it's really hard for them to suddenly be like hey can I lay this down for a minute cool I am scared to death that this is not going to work out because I'm discovering that I really don't want to date a performer who leaves. I want someone who's going to live in my house and be a housewife for me and manage my house. And when you don't want to do that, uh, it tells me that this is going to end. And that's very scary to me. If someone has the actual ability to say that, that, that has a chance in hell of actually working out in some way, (laughs) you know, but, uh, but if you can't, it just, uh, you know, it comes out as protest behavior where you're screwing around with someone and, uh, in a non-consensual, uh, non-negotiated way that blows the relationship sky high. And then, and then what, and then you just have hurt feelings and resentment and sadness. And for a lot of people, you know, like everyone involved, you know, it's just a bummer. Like that's, that's, if I had advice to give, you know, people out there about dating and man, that is gross that that just came out of my mouth that like, like I'm just going to give people advice on dating gross. Um, I would just, I would say it's so important to, to really know what you need and what you want first and to communicate the hell out of that to anybody that you're getting involved, even a friend, dude, even if I have a, I have a new friend I just made, um, it's not even romantic. It's just a friendship. And I, like, I'm such a Libra. I'm rolling in with the, with the, like, here's what I like and here's what I'm not cool with. And like, and I just, this chick is so badass. She's I hung out with her last week or uh, like two weekends ago <laughs> in Tucson. And she's just this, like this great gal. And it's not even romantic, but the way that we roll up to each other, we're both just like, we're either going to be total enemies or really good friends. And I was like, I choose friends. What about you? She's like, yep, friends it is, <laughs> you know? And there we are. So like, you know, just, just being able to, to have the courage to look yourself in the eye and, and be present to the stuff that isn't the best. And like, that we're all so complex. We truly are. We're really simple and we're really complex, you know? Yeah. Just to say like, I'm not perfect. And I I screw up and I'm going to do my best not to screw up. And here's where, here's where I'm most fallible. And if you catch me doing this, man, it's in my blind spot. I may not even see it. Can you please gently bring it to my attention so I can address it? So you don't have to, you know, like being able to do that work is so vital. You know, I also, I love so much. Thank you for sharing that and sharing your experience because I think people will see themselves reflected in that. And like what I've loved so much, just as your friend and someone who loves you, you know, forever. um, And like just hearing how that, you know, your whole relationship blew up and then you're like, okay, but I'm pursuing my dreams. So I'm still on this path. I'm getting this tour van. And now this was something we talked about you and your tour van, uh, like three, four months ago when this all went down. And now here you are talking to me inside your tour van with your little bed <laughs> yeah. and your little spider spaniels on it. And like, you are ready to hit the road and just like be bringing your comedy and joy and glow to the whole country. Like you've been planning. And yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been clear that I wanted to do this. Right. So it's like the, the parts that I feel like the universe, um, was like I know you want to do I've been wanting to do this for 10 years and it was only in the last like maybe three years that I really started looking at how to do it and it was really the last year that I started putting things in place 
developing remote and mobile streams of income to support my choices. Um, you know, it's like, this has always been clear. I've always been, this is the verbalizing and intentionally creating the steps happen have been unfolding. So it's like, I think it's, that's really exciting. Um, man, I wish people would just believe each other. <laughs> like, you know, like I said this, none of this is new or a surprise at all to literally anyone who I talk with on a even like marginally regular basis. Uh, so yeah. Um, but this is really exciting because this is something I've been working towards. And now it's like, I, I got my real estate license and I'm, you know, able to, to help my friends, which that's another thing too. Having a home is so great. Um, I, I really want, I want people to be able to have the home they want. And so of course doing real estate, I, it's not something I ever considered until I had um, a previous partner that, that did real estate and said I would be a good match for this. And so, um, you know, I've, I've taken that on and now, you know, I've had to do the van and, um, put, put some, some cushion aside to, to support the, the furthering of this tour and, um, you know, building my Patreon has been such a amazing experience The you know, uh, inviting people, sharing with people and having them just be like, you know, just inviting them to you know, join it like a dollar a month. Like, that's great. You know, you could get this and that. And they're like a dollar tomorrow. I could do five bucks a month. Like I could do that. And I go, Oh, really? Oh, and it's like, it's just such a bolstering. Like people just are so wonderful and supportive and loving and encouraging. It's just really wonderful. This, that's such a, I guess I just never, I, I think a story I tell myself is that it, it doesn't mean anything unless I did it all by myself as if we ever do anything all by ourselves for real. Yeah. Um, and a, another story I tell myself is like, it's up to me to do it and nobody, nobody else is responsible, which is I think true. However, the other part of that story is um, that nobody's going to care or help or give a crap if I'm, if this is my dream, like I just have to make it happen on my own. And What's true about that is that is partially true. And what's also true about that is there are a lot more people who actually do care quite deeply um, and are more than happy to, to contribute and further and encourage, you know, it's like, I've had people that are like, I can't, um, I don't want to do a subscription thing, but can I just give you 400 bucks like via Vimeo, or Vimo, Vimo, not Vimo. Um, can I Venmo you 400 bucks? And I'm like, yes, yes, you can. You don't want to do a dollar a month, but you'll Venmo me $400. Yes, I will take that. Mm -hmm. Um, that is amazing. That's gas for like so many locations. I love it. I love it. Um, so it's just, it's just been such a beautiful moment of me having to see requesting contribution as an, as a powerful act instead of one that is humiliating or like I couldn't cut it or I have to ask someone for help. Therefore I have failed and what I'm going for isn't actually valid or worth it. Um, you know, it, it's just been really cool to be like, I'm doing this great thing. And then people go, I want to do that great thing with you. And I go, yeah, let's do that. How can I do that? Uh, you can sign up for my Patreon. And then they go, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. <laughs> and then they do. And then I get my bills paid and it's freaking awesome. 
it's totally awesome. And like Patreon, uh, for people who don't know, is just like an ability for creators like me and Tamale to create work and to be supported by folks like you who find value. And like some Patreons are just about like, I believe in you. I believe in this work you do. And some Patreons are like specifically for like value given on the platform, but it's just been such a great place for cool people to pursue their dreams and like have support doing that. And like, sometimes when people see you achieving dreams, it makes it possible for them to achieve their dreams. Like, for I've known you, you know, I've known you almost two decades now. I know this tour has been on your heart uh, for yeah. all this time. And like, I just am so excited to see you like taking these steps and like really like leaping and letting people support you. And like, you know, and it can be hard when you're a boss babe to like admit, oh, I didn't figure out how to fund this all. I got, I got most of the way because you did, you got the van, but like, there's still more that has to happen because like touring is expensive. People don't know if they haven't toured, they don't know all the things, like all the meals and all the showers, everything costs money. And like, uh, it's, you know, when you, when you're diving out of the nine to five, cause you know, the nine to five is not going to bring your dreams to pass. It is super scary and super weird. And, you know, I'm, and you've touched so many people, like you're in so many communities and beloved by so many different things. Cause you, yeah. you know, you're a fire dancer, a burlesque performer, like a multiply talented human being. And uh, yeah, <laughs> just like so many people. And I'm just glad that you're opening up the ability for people to use their money energy to connect with you and support you. Yeah. 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 I think a, a big thing that Patreon has, so my, a, a friend of mine and fellow creator, uh, Karina, she, um, she's just like, she's amazing. She, do you know, do you might actually know her? She's, um, the leader of the Femme Fatels in Chicago. She does a lot of fat activism. She's on, um, she's like Karina Shiro on, um, Instagram. She has like, she's been shut down seven times. She has like another backup account. She's got hundreds of thousands of followers, but she keep, they keep trying to shut her butt down and she's like, Nope. Uh, but it's an exhausting thing, you know, and she does her Patreon. Um, she's a fellow content creator and she's just, just a boss babe. She's a total boss babe. And one of the things she's kind of coached me along, um, how to powerfully start my Patreon. I actually know her through some leadership stuff that we've, each, we've both done together. And we were coaches as part of this leadership program. Um, <clears throat> so I got to get to know her. And from the get, I, when I met her, I was like, oh, yep, we're going to be pals. That's just how that's going to go. And sure enough. So she's coached me through the shifting of my mindset from hey, do you want to help me out? She's like, if I ever hear those words come out of your mouth again, I swear. It's like, no. They're not helping you out. You are doing this. You're already doing this. Look, did you, you got it. You got your van. You got like post an Amazon wish list so that people can help you not help you. See, it's, I still have to work at it mm -hmm. so that people can contribute so that they can be part of what you're doing because you're already doing it. And whether or not they help you, you're still going to do it. So it's not about them helping you. It's about you doing a powerful thing because you say so. And then they get to participate and play with you along this journey. And so, you know, in that, in that perspective shift, I've, I'm still in the middle of it, man. I'm, it is a, it's hard one. It is a hard one shift. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, as, as I've done this, I've started doing this, my Amazon wish list. I, I have probably had maybe 30 items on there and 
I think there are maybe four left. <laughs> like people just, it was like Christmas every day in January. I like with my dogs, we got an opportunity to skill drill our manners when the doorbell gets rung. You know, they just go over to their little, their little mat, they lay down and they just do the little wolves, no big barks. Um, just to let me know that someone's at the door and sure enough, box after box after box, you know, um, just, I think one of the most moving parts of, of that for me is not only receiving, oh my gosh, just opening myself up to receiving like that on that level from so many different people in those, all of those different communities, my fire dancing community, my burlesque community, my drag community, my motorcycle community, my skydiving community, oh my gosh, all these people, and those are just a few. I mean, holy crap. You know, there are so many different people I've met. <laughs> I meet people at the dog park. I meet people waiting in line at the DMV. I like so everywhere I go, strangers are just friends I haven't met yet. And that was reflected in that Amazon wish list and in my Patreon. People are rolling up, signing up, purchasing things, um, you know, sponsoring a tank of gas. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's just, it makes my, I, I cry all the time. I'm like, I cry all the time. I have to drink so many electrolytes just to not be a, just a little <laughs> deflated heap of flesh and sinew because of all the crying, because I, because it really, it requires me to be present to how many people give a crap about, about me doing the thing I most want and love to do on this earth, you know, like, helping people connect through understanding and laugh and enjoy each other's company and being able to share uh, a drink with or break bread with someone who may think very differently from you, but probably came upon it honestly through their lived experiences, right? Like trying to like, just be with that in a powerful way where nobody is left diminished. Like that's just the, the base nature of every freaking thing I'm doing. And to, you know, I can, I can think it's great and that's fine, but <laughs> it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And unless other people see it and care at all about it, it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, ultimately we're dead in a hundred years anyways, and it probably won't matter anyway. So that's, that's a relief. But when I, when I open the door and there's a stack of Amazon boxes from people that I've met throughout the last 25 years, oh my God, it's just such a, oh, you open these boxes, you read these little cards and you see people that I was like, you know, a former employee of mine, a former boss of mine, you know, the, a person I met in a five minute conversation through a friend in a bar in New York back in like 1997. You know what I mean? Like, it's just bonkers that we've stayed in touch through the magic of social media. And now here they are all rallying like this giant wave of love and support it's just damn uncomfortable to be with quite frankly and I love it I'm here for it like oh my gosh so I don't know I I uh it, it's interesting because a, a bold choice to live your dreams you know it's going to make you grow but you expect I expect I expect that it'll be through hardship and you know deprivation and having to like not have things you need or want and which I'm sure is also going to be and is, is part of that. But what I didn't expect was the abundance factor and the enthusiasm with which people are showing up and reaching out and like calling me as I'm on the road driving. They're like, 
hey girl, you ready? Can I, can we call it? Can I call you? Can I? I was like, yeah. So we're like chatting as I'm driving for six hours, you know, and this why I don't have any voice anymore. Because <laughs> all these awesome people, I just want to chat with them all the time. <laughs> so, oh, I'm turning so red because it's making me so uncomfortable, but it's just so nice to, to chat with them. And, um, you know, it, what I really love is what opens up for them too. When they witness, when they witness this happening in my life, all of a sudden it's like, man, it is later than we think everybody, you know, it is so much later than we think. And do you really want to spend the precious, precious time you have on this planet doing some dumb shit you don't care about, you know, like, and for some people that is, they've had a really intense time up until now and maybe they just need a break and like to maybe feel a little comfort in complacency for a minute I got that but for people who that for whom that is not the case boy oh boy boy oh boy be grateful for those breakups those layoffs those getting kicked out of comfort comfortable situations like oof that is a gift that is such a gift mm. oh my gosh yeah yeah, you're right. Every every situation, my friend Zoe actually introduced me to the term crisitunity when I got laid off from my job in 2008. When I, when I learned firsthand that job security is a myth, we are all at will employees. Your job of five years can disappear tomorrow. Uh, and uh, like, and it was a crisitunity at the time. It didn't feel I didn't feel the opportunity in the crisis, but um, you know. 12 years later, I'm glad that that happened. I'm glad I was forced out of that comfort zone, had to like, yeah. and like, honestly, like the life I created out of that crisis was really great. And it's like actually the coolest that I've been. Um, and I, I've been recently having some nostalgia for that time in my life, like where I was able to work like 10 hours because I started my own business out of that. I became an entrepreneur and I was at yeah. that time, like working like 10 hours a week, making enough money to be just over broke. So I was always money stressed because that's an old story I'm letting go of. But, um, you know, like also able to really devote myself to the things and making an impact and doing my art and activism. And like, that was a great time in my life. And just like, you know, the reason my nostalgia is hiking up about it is just because like, I'm still coming to terms with the choices I made to follow someone who wasn't a forever relationship. And you know, for whatever reason, like that's, I, I can see all the ways that was meant to happen, but like also my little lizard brain just keeps going to the regret, right? Like, so I'm trying really hard to, to oh. rise above the bitter root and not let those roots take hold and just like, be like, no, this is okay. We moved to LA. We did the thing. We followed love. We followed our ethics and commitment and it didn't turn out the way we thought, but it's also okay. Cause I'm great right now. This is a beautiful place that I'm in and I get to heal. So you know, and like also my Patreon too has just been such an opportunity for me to like, first of all, it's like great to be able to do a, a, a subscription model because I wanted to open up my FACA dance party aerobics classes to more people and didn't know how. And this gave me the platform to just literally be able to offer weekly online aerobics for folks. And, um, but also just in this last year where it's, I've had the Patreon for, for a year, I'm hitting my year mark. Um, happy anniversary to me. Um, <laughs> and to all my yeah. beloved Patreon supporters. Um, uh, and my mom calls it my Patronus, which is not wrong. Like it is a spiritual support. And like throughout this shitty ass 2019, how hard it was, <laughs> I had a Patreon support. Like it, it fluctuated. Like I went up, um, I, I went up a thousand dollars and down a thousand dollars in that year, like in terms of what was offered to me from people. And like, 
you know, and also getting canceled during my first year in a Patreon was really hard. Um, but also, you know what, even, uh, like the couple few hundred that it ended up being still saved my bacon so many times every month. And it was just like, so great that people wanted to trust their self care with me or the people who just like throw in five bucks a month who want to support my podcast. Like all of that. It's just, it's such a tremendous honor for me to be part of someone's self care in whatever way they want to interact with it. And also that people believe in me and my vision and my dreams for the world. And like, and that, and that's like an early adopter thing too. Like, I feel like I, um, I want people to be like, Oh, I've known Bevan. Like I read her blog a billion years ago. Like here she is still at it, still working at it. Can't believe she's not famous yet. You know what I mean? And yeah, like, and yeah. for me, I don't want to be famous. I actually just want to have what I call glory, not fame, which is where the, the reason people know me is because I've made a good impact on their life and helped them live the life they want to live and like just see themselves reflected a little bit in me. Um, that's what I want. I don't want fame just for the sake of fame. Cause I think that's very surface and boring. And, but for me, I just really want the reason why notoriety is helpful is because it helps more people connect to what's possible for them. And I feel like I'm real far away from mainstream now <laughs> and really out in this like wild west of like, you can love yourself and you can live your best life and you are here with a unique purpose. And I want you to rise up and do that, whatever it is. And so like, I love getting the opportunity to talk to people like you, who is just like a, an original cowgirl just out here and weird <laughs> and like, you know, doing the thing. Um, where's your tour going to take you? Where are you going on tour? That's a great question. Um, the, before we go, I just want to say, I really, I just love you so much. And I, you know, I think about, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to think on like the fame versus uh, the fame and notoriety. Well, notoriety as a, as a signal boost tool. Yeah. Very, very useful, right? Like it's helpful because there is sort of like this, um, embedded vetting that has happened. You know, it's like when someone goes, Oh, I really like Brene Brown's work because, and you're like, Oh yeah, Brene Brown. Yeah. She's solid. You know, you, you go through your brain, like do, do, do you tick through the things you've read or seen about her and the work you've experienced that she's created. And you're like, yeah, that, that tracks, that tracks. So notoriety, I think is really valuable, um, in that way. But I, I understand it's funny. It's like the, the idea of fame, I think, man, it's such a tricky thing, right? Because, uh, I'm not famous. I'm gay famous, but I'm not famous. Like I, there's enough people of our age bracket that know, I think that know who I am, but, um, but otherwise like people don't necessarily know who I am. But, um, what I think is interesting is when people chase fame, they think it'll, they think they chase it for a reason that is never satiated by actually obtaining it. Right. So I, I know that intellectually, I know that, but that does not keep my heart from being like, yes, that's the thing. Fame. <laughs> right. Like, uh, you know, I, I like that. I like what you said about glory. I think that's a really powerful thing. And I'm going to think on that because that I feel that resonates a little bit more deeply with what I I'm drawn towards is, you know, I, I keep thinking, you know, I, when I started doing comedy, I've known a couple of people, uh, that when I, really buckled down. Like when I went, when I moved to Chicago and I started performing, uh, you know, I've done so many different things that when I finally, 2013 was when I really started like, all right, comedy, I'm going to be more serious about this, right? Like I'm going to follow this particular path a little more strongly. Um, but there were people that I've known throughout the years that have, that have gone, gone for it in a way that I have not 
like I, they were very specific. They went for their thing was very specific and they went really far. Um, you know, and it's like, I, I see them on TV. I see their Netflix specials. There are some people that I have Netflix specials that are so phenomenal and I'm really glad they have them. Um, I, I really, I really respect them. I've seen them. I've booked them on my shows. I, it's like so exciting to see them get that. And then there are people who I've known that have gotten that fame and I see it, but I also hear all the backstories, people who have interacted with them during their rise, the way they've been treated by those people that have gotten that fame. And it, it just, it's like, I refuse to believe the story that like that fame ruins you or like, I don't, I don't believe that having that will make you a, a crappy person to other people. And, <laughs> and there is something to be said about when I hear those stories of like, yeah, remember when we used to hang out? Well, now that I'm in LA and we were in a green room and this is what she said or did, or this is what he, you know, and he did treat this. It's like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get into gossip, but when I'm looking at that, I'm like, man, you, you, I, I saw it back in the day, but how it looked was single-mindedness, how it looked was kind of climbery, right? Like, like, oh, can you, uh, can you help my career? Cool. We'll, I'll talk to you. Oh, we'll be friends. Cause you can help my career. But if you, if you weren't that, then you didn't exist or just like immediately were, you were insignificant. Right. Um, and so to watch that behavior continue in its more developed and seasoned forms is just a little bit tummy turning for me. I'm like, ugh. um, so I feel like there's been this, I don't know. I feel like as I've watched people do that and not to say that everyone who's gotten that level of exposure behaves that way. Cause I do know a few people that are just genuinely good freaking people that have always been that way. And I pray always will be that way because they're just, they, those are the people that I hitch my heart to. And I'm like, Oh yes. Like, let me be like that when this happens. Like I want to be, so all of that to say that I feel like I give my energy out to so many people because I love so many people that it's kept me from being able to single-mindedly go for something and like ignore people who don't serve my purpose. Right. Um, and I just don't know if that's a great thing or a career limiting thing because <laughs> I've been real distracted, <laughs> you know, like, uh, so I don't know. That's just when you said that it made me think of that. And, um, you know, I do feel like when you were talking about being nostalgic of the, the times past that were extra hard, you know, I know you and I have talked about this quite a bit. And I think back to like, when I went through a really, really tough time, I went through this like 14 months back in, um, you know, end of 2008, all the way through, um, you know, early mid 2010. Oh God, roughest time, the roughest time. And I just, I look back at, at those times and, um, you know, my attitude, uh, I had a piss poor attitude for a lot of it. It was, it was so, I was so resentful and so angry and so, um, just like such a victim all the time. And I just, I just couldn't see any other way to be because I was so full of rage about every horrible thing. I, there, there were reasons, like I had a lot of bad shit unfold that was dreadful and constant. <laughs> so it's understandable. Uh, but also what I, what I'm so grateful for now is that, you know, when you, when you have those, those galvanizing moments, um, that just, they, 
they just create a whole new level. My spectrum at this point is so wide. Like what, what is the worst that's going to happen? Mind you, it could be pretty freaking bad. It could be pretty freaking bad. I will say when I was homeless, living out of a backpack, not by choice at all, this van is a choice. This tour is a choice. Me putting my stuff into storage and taking myself on a well-earned adventure is a choice. Me living out of a backpack off of my motorcycle, finishing my master's degree and bird bathing it in the utility sinks at Columbia College, Chicago was not a freaking choice. Like <laughs> I did not want that experience, but that is what I had because I got laid off and a bunch of bad, bad stuff happened. My identity got stolen. It was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I was real bitter, but when I look back at it, I just, I'm just so grateful that that I had those experiences and I weathered them, you know, and, uh, you know, I did, I, I didn't do the best job at being cheerful and grateful about it in the moment, but I did learn after that, um, that now I'm so much more brave and courageous because I've been there and I've done that and I have survived and I still got my MFA and I still kick some serious ass. And I still like, I hung out, and I, I just sheer stubbornness, you know, just like sheer grit, sheer, like all that Arizona dust just settled on into this giant red hair. And I'm like, I'm not leaving, which is so great when it comes to life. And so bad if you have an alcoholic partner, <laughs> like, it's, it's just like how you use your skills, you know, like how you use your skills, dude. Um, you got to put it where it's, where it's needed, where it needs to be. Um, but I, I really look at, at those moments now with a, a similar, a similar sort of reverence, right? Like those were the times that showed me what I really can do. Those, those bottoming out times were the times where I really learned what I'm about and what I am not gonna, what I'm, what I'm about and what I am truly capable of in the face of a lot of hardship. Um, man, like I just remember these moments of taking canned community food drive bins, those big cardboard bins, like trying to like gently sneak them out. Cause I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. Like I, I was just like, Oh, I shouldn't be in this position. You know, I didn't, stuff happened, man. And it was like, you know, it wasn't like I was screwing up my life. It was like, I got laid off. I had a boss that was that did the same thing to the gal after me. It wasn't even personal. She, she just was very insecure and managed both of us out um, because it made her feel powerful. Great. The impact, the, the impact was like, I lived out of a suitcase or out of a backpack on my motorcycle that got hit by a bus, you know, like one thing after another, after another, it was just so brutal. But I remember sneaking, you know, canned food out of a food, food drive cardboard box and like that was how I was eating was like taking that and like open to finding ways to open my can. Like you, do you know that if you rub a can on the um, concrete, you can open it like apocalypse, apocalypse tip. If, if you don't have a can opener, you rub it against the concrete and it, um, it wears down the seam and you can open it. I'm just, things like this. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you are forced to be that person, you learn that you can be that person and suddenly, like, you're like, yeah, I'll jump out of a plane. I could do this. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel pretty tough. I think I could probably handle this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's a switch that happens. Um, and I do feel like there is, there's something that happens where you're just like, um, you know, it's like, I've, I've said this before too. I, you don't hug a sword sharp, you know, like you got to bang that sword around, heat it up, put it in some, some icy water to really change it. And it gets changed on a molecular level. It gets stronger. And that, that's what happens when, when life happens to you, this is, it's your opportunity to, to make that happen. Um, so, you know, on that note, the next leg of my tour is, um, I'm thinking I'm probably going to go up the West coast, um, and then come back down, grab some stuff out of Arizona and then bring it back to Chicago. I have a lot of gigs booked in the Midwest for the, during riding season for motorcycles. Um, but I do want to take advantage of this beautiful, uh, Southwest and West coast weather during the chilly season in the Midwest. I'm going to avoid that. Uh, but I'll, I'll be, you know, kind of making the the rounds. And the greatest part is, is that as I get booked for these different, um, these different gigs, I'll be staying with my friends. So it's going to be like a big seasonal kind of, I mean, I'm thinking of really just sort of booking out these gigs and these visits in sort of like a snowbird style wave, you know, um, man, I used to think that I grew up in Arizona and I used to think snowbirds were like, Oh, they're, they're so, I had a, I had an opinion about it. And now I realize they're all geniuses and I have a lot to learn from them. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> totally. And you know what? Like also the opposite is true. I live in a neighborhood where we have a lot of snowbirds, probably about 40% of the park leaves. I'm living in this beautiful tiny house because of a snowbird renting to me. So like, it's, it's great, honestly, for me as a person who's not a snowbird, because I get to have the advantage of like the slow season. Cause that's to me is like what I need for the winter is just to like, you know, power down a little. I've been yeah and at a, a level, but like, you know, you're living in a van, you get the freedom of the road. And also something that I identify with, which is kind of like the cornerstone of the why of this podcast, why it's Bevan and her friends. Cause like my friends are my favorite form of wealth. Like I, you know, I'm not yet financially independent. That's my goal. But also like I have lived this amazing life. My friends are incredible. You are definitely a shining jewel amongst them. And like, just, I think you're, you're kind of proving this out, like with the people who are supporting you both by like money, but also just like generosity of spirit, like all the people who have prayed for me through like my difficulties. I don't take that for granted. I really did. Like when my dog passed away, I felt devastated and like nothing before right my dog Macy was like my life and but also within like 48 hours after she passed away I felt different I felt better in like a way that I knew I could get on and I could only attribute that to prayer you know to all the people who knew how much I loved that dog and who were holding me in their hearts during that time and like I just think that like you know, I've talked about this also a lot on the podcast is like, there's so many different ways to measure success. And like, you know, I know people who are on Instagram who have over a million followers. No, well, I'm friends of friends with a lot of people who have over a million followers. And I know for a fact, multiple million follower having Instagram people who are broke and don't know how to pay their rent. And so like, it's amazing how like you can be perceived as super successful, but that doesn't necessarily mean the money's there or the emotional fulfillment or a happy marriage or anything like that. And so you never know when you're judging someone else's outsides, what's going on on their insides. And yeah. like, you know, I have just so appreciated you just as a friend being so transparent over the years. Cause I feel like 
um, it's rare to meet someone who's as unusual and weird as me. <laughs> and, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and it's nice. It's nice to know, like, you know, it isn't roses and sometimes you're fucking homeless, you know? And like, so, and it's just, and it's, how to rise out of that and not feel shamed and how to approach life differently in, in new seasons. Cause you just have the emotional growth and the commitment to just being better. Yeah. You know, it's never, it's never too late um, to start over and it's always too soon to quit is my opinion. So. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I, d I dig that a lot. Yeah. There's like a, it's definitely like a, I think tenacity is man. It's, it's so funny. It's like you, I always want tenacity, but I'm like, Oh, but I just want to, I just want it. Like, I don't want to have to earn it. I don't want to have to like go through a bunch of garbage and like have to eat hot garbage and like live in hot garbage in order to be like, I'm not giving up. I just want to have it. That's all. You know, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, it's, it's a very immature way to look at life. I think similarly to how, I mean, you know, I, I feel like finances are a, a way in which I, I've perhaps been that way in my life, right? Like what an immature way to, to look at it. Um, you know, like I, I want, I, I want these nice things, but like, I don't want to, not that I'm, I'm not even afraid of working. Like I love to work. Oh my God. That's, I, that is like my whole life is working at stuff. Right. Um, but I'm just like, Oh, I don't want to have to like work at a nine to five, which is fine. Like I can work different ways. Um, but just the, the mentality that goes along with being an adult and, um, a responsible human that is like, here is my plan. Here are my steps. I am working these steps. I refuse to give, to give up on these steps to get to my goal. Um, it's just, man, you just gotta, it's like a buckling, a buckling down and like a, like just hard scrabble. Like I am not, ah! <laughs> it's, it's so I, it's just, it's also really helpful to know people that have weathered, whether it be, you know, the, the hard scrabble, um, journey to notoriety and comedy or, you know, financial well-being. you know, knowing people, it's funny, my brother is a financial advisor and he told, he tells me all the time, he's like, you know, I manage a lot of people's money and he goes, I know really wealthy people. And I know people that are, you know, very common, common income you know, a lot of different incomes. And I'm here to tell you the difference between joy and, and misery has, is not money because I know wealthy people who are happy and wealthy people who are not, and the same for other income levels. He's like, it's, it's not about the money, man. It's not about the money. And I, I love that when I, when I'm reminded by people who are actually directly connected to the thing I'm putting on a pedestal, you know, it's like the Jim Carrey thing where he's like, I wish everybody could win the lottery so they could figure out that that's not it. That's not what brings you happiness. I wish everyone could be famous so they could also figure out that that's not it. You know, I, I long ago, I heard someone say that there'll never be enough money. There'll never be enough time and there'll never be enough fame. And I was like, man, that is, that is, man, I got to wrap my brain around that and get right with it so that I'm chasing things for the right dang reasons. Because woe be the person, woe be to the person that like spends their entire life chasing this thing, you know, Robin Williams, right? Like how much more notoriety, how much more fame, how much more money, like God. And then it was never, you know what I mean? Like, jeez, mm -hmm. you know, I, I got to get right with what I, I feel so having a, a fellow MFA 
candidate watching the no door open spot as I'm naked in a utility sink. Like I thank goodness for those moments. Cause I'll tell you washing your naughty bits <laughs> in possible full view of passerby. <laughs> Whoo. There's a level of deep gratitude you, you gain from those moments. And you just realize like, we still laugh about that. <laughs> My friend Victoria, like we just, we just laugh because like of course you have to because she's like i remember that day when <laughs> it's like yeah i hope so i remember it too <laughs> it's like yeah those are just little gems that help to shape you know your your real so that so that when stuff happens it really happens for you you know like you know it wasn't an accident because at, like you you earn this and i think maybe there's a story i have i i suspect that there's a story somewhere in there for me that's like I had to have those, um, I had to have those tough times so that when I get what I'm really working towards, I'll actually believe that I earned it and I deserve it. Cause otherwise I think I would probably just ruin it. Cause I'd be like, Oh, I don't deserve this. And I just psychically kick it right to the curb in some way, you know? So I'm, I feel like each time I have a hardship like that, I just put it right into the basket of of like, hey, remember that horrible shit you had to go through? Cool. Does that make you earn this enough or what? Are we cool? Is it good? <laughs> Maybe you can just appreciate it and be grateful and be done <laughs> and not have to be like, well, <laughs> did my suffering equal this, this win? You know, like, God, it's so funny how we tell ourselves these wild stories. You know, it's when I, when I um, entertain how freely I could appreciate a win if I could just let go of the story of earning it, you know, mm -hmm. and not to say that you, you know, that, that I just expect things cause I, I don't, but man, I think I would be so much more open to the treasures out there. If I could just let myself have them without having to like bleed my way dramatically to them. Keep coming back. <laughs> 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 Tamale, how can people find where you're going to be on tour? Great. They should go to my website, which is tamalerocks.com. And I would encourage them to go to tamalerocks.com forward slash sponsorship to take a peek at how they can sign up for my Patreon. Or if they were to want to send me um, some cash for a tank of gas, I also have my Venmo paypal and cash app scannable um uh the qr codes as well as my handles listed so if they want to look me up and send me some dough for my gas tank or for some dog treats because these dogs are training every day that's how we roll we're uh, we're a manners drilling kind of group here so <laughs> that's how it's done oh and i'm on social media at tamale rocks across social media at tamale rocks across social media um, Tamale, you're incredible. I love you so much. Thank you so much for getting so real with me and sharing it with my audience of kindred spirits. I can't wait for people to just like hear this and, and hear their heart because you showed your heart and you're amazing. I love you. And I can't wait to see where you skyrocket to next. Hard same girl. Hard same. I love you so much. You have a great day. And I'm, um, it's always a pleasure to look into your eyeballs, eyeballs, eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Um, have a great one. I love you, girl. <laughs> love you. <laughs>
Okay, so I just want to point out that this is episode 22. It's dropping in the second month of 2020. I really feel like we're just having a lot of 222 energy here. I think multiple numbers are auspicious. They're always trying to tell us something. And so here I am celebrating episode 22 with you. So whether you're listening to this now or you're listening to this deep in the future, hello, I'm so glad. Take this auspicious sign and go do something great with it. 